Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Will you be my girlfriend, Stephanie? Well, um... Stephanie stammered. I took a deep breath and brought my hand up to my nose. Stephanie's face turned red. She knew what was about to happen. She knew I was about to sneeze. She shuddered and looked like she was going to burst into tears immediately. I took another breath and readied myself. Uh, I was almost sneezing. Wait, I'll do it. I'll be your girlfriend. I calmed down. I didn't sneeze. And just like that, I had a new pretty girlfriend. Stephanie was not my first girlfriend. As a matter of fact, she was the fifth girl that I had dated this year. I got them to agree to be my girlfriends the same way I got them to agree to leave me whenever I wanted a new girlfriend. The last girl I dated was Amanda, and I broke up with her just yesterday when I decided that Stephanie was going to be my new girlfriend. Amanda, it's over between us. Wait, why? Did I do something wrong? Why do you want to break up with me? You did nothing wrong, Amanda. I'm just tired of you. But we were just getting to know each other! Amanda screamed. Yes, I bullied girls into dating me, but when they accepted, I always treated them nicely. I bought special, expensive gifts for them and took them to nice places that they could never afford to go to on their own. I was the only child of wealthy parents. They lavished me with money, and I used it to take care of my girlfriends. Because of this, they always felt sad when I wanted to leave them. I felt bad too, but I couldn't handle taking care of more than one girl at a time. So whenever I wanted to date a new girl, I left the old one. I took a deep breath and pretended like I was about to sneeze. Fine! Amanda screamed. Don't sneeze. I accept it. It's over! And with that, she stormed off. The next day, I moved on to my new prey, Stephanie. I'm sure you must think I'm the luckiest guy in the world, and you're wondering how I make people do whatever I want, simply by either sneezing or pretending I want to sneeze. Well, I'm about to tell you right now. So hit the like button if you've enjoyed this story so far. Subscribe to this channel immediately and turn on post notifications so you don't miss any story from us. My name is Graham and I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was only three years old. For those that don't know what epilepsy is, it's a sickness that makes me fall on the floor and start shaking and vibrating, even bleeding from my nostrils sometimes. I look like I'm about to die whenever it happens and this freaks everybody out. As years went by, the epileptic attacks reduced and started happening only when I sneezed. My parents talked to our family doctor about it and she told them to try to reduce the frequency of my sneezes by removing me from situations that triggered it. So I had to avoid dusty places, kitchens, cold places and even meals that were too spicy. My parents did their best but I still sneezed once in a while because it was natural. 
Whenever this happened, an emergency injection would be stabbed right into my heart and my mom would cry since she didn't know if I was going to survive. My parents could never get pregnant again after having me. I was the only one who could continue the family name and business, so they raised me like an egg. Whenever I felt like I was about to sneeze, my parents ran around like mad people doing everything possible to ensure I didn't sneeze. I got whatever I asked for, no matter how selfish or ridiculous it seemed. After noticing this, I started asking for more stuff. I asked for a car, a personal driver, bodyguards, all the latest Apple products and so many other expensive things that working class adults couldn't afford. My parents gave me everything, as long as I promised to try not to sneeze. This made me feel powerful. My pride rose to an unreasonable level and one day I realized I could make everyone do my bidding, just like my parents. I decided to test this theory in class the next day. When Mr. Speaks, my English teacher, told me to come to the front of the class and read out my badly written English essay, I said no. He insisted and told me that he was going to give me detention if I refused. I took a deep breath and put my hands above my nose, getting ready to sneeze. At this time, nobody in the school knew about my condition apart from my principal, so they all stared at me wondering why I was trying to sneeze. Ah-choo! I sneezed with all the power I had in me. My powerful sneeze triggered my epileptic attack, and with a heavy thud, I landed on the floor. My classmates jumped up from their desks. Mr. Speaks went, What? He couldn't believe what had just happened. Did Graham really just trigger an epileptic episode? Does he want to kill himself? He asked, amazed. Nobody answered him because they were all running around me, trying whatever they could to help bring me back. The nurse was called, so she stabbed something into my heart, and I was well again. Everyone hugged me and told me they were glad I was back. They all looked so worried. I smiled mischievously because I knew that I had cracked the code. I knew the trick to ruling the whole school now. I knew it. I was a king. This was when I blew it out of proportion. I was wealthy and obsessed with power, so I acted accordingly. I became a brat and the school bully. I forced everyone to do whatever I wanted, teachers and students alike. I forced girls to date me, changing them up as I deemed fit. On the off chance that someone disobeyed my order, which was usually very rare, I would forcefully sneeze. My sneezes were mostly fake these days. As a result, they didn't always trigger the epileptic response I desired. Whenever this happened, I would simply fake it, giving the little kids around me a lifetime scare. One day, I was hanging out in the school park with my latest girlfriend, Stephanie. She was telling me how happy she was about the iPhone 13 I gave her as a birthday gift and how she had been able to make money on Instagram because of the high-quality pictures she'd been posting lately. When Mark, the info giver, called me to the side and gave me some news. We called him Mark, the info giver, because he always knew the latest thing about what was happening in school. I don't know how he did it, but he was the first person to know about whatever went down in school. Sometimes even before the school authorities. Mark didn't give his information for free, though. He always gave it in exchange for money, but he was scared of me, so he never asked me for money unless I volunteered to give him some. I was so stunned by what Mark told me this time that I didn't volunteer any cash. He looked sad, but I couldn't care less. You can leave now, I told him. Mark scrambled off. Thank you. He mumbled as he ran off. What is it, honey? Stephanie asked. I ignored her and walked towards the principal's office. I was fuming. Mark told me that my parents were invited by the principal and they were in her office at that very moment talking about me. I got to the principal's office and opened the door slightly, but nobody noticed my presence. I heard their voices and Mark was right. I can't believe this! My father bellowed. Why will he behave this way? 
What have we done wrong? We have given him everything he's ever wanted. Why? I'm sorry, sir, but we are considering expelling your son. Students have been complaining that he is making their lives a living hell. Parents have threatened to withdraw their kids from our school because of him. My mother started shedding tears. I can't believe this. She cried. Don't expel him, please. Give us some time. My dad begged. What do you plan to do? My principal asked. Well, we will ignore him the next time he tries to sneeze. And even when he actually sneezes, we will still pay him no heed. My dad replied. When he realizes that his tactics are no longer working, he will be forced to change his ways. I suggest that you guys do the same thing here. Hmm. My principal pondered. Are you sure this is a good idea? If we start ignoring him, how will he know when he has a real attack? My dear mom asked. I don't think Graham has had an attack that wasn't self-induced in years. My principal interjected. At this point, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't believe that these people, my own parents, were plotting against me, planning to ignore their own son. I stormed into my principal's office and screamed, You guys are all evil. You neither love nor care about me. I have always suspected this. You all hate me, don't you? No, Graham. That's not true. My mom pleaded. But I wasn't going to listen to her. I wasn't going to listen to any of them anymore. I started running away from the office, but as I ran, it felt like an invisible force went around my leg and pulled me to the floor. I landed with a thud. My chest contracted and I couldn't breathe anymore. My eyes went up my skull and my hands and feet started pointing in the wrong directions. As I started convulsing, I realized that I really hadn't had a real epileptic attack in years, so I had forgotten just how terrible and painful it really felt. Tears left my eyes as I figured out just how stupid I had been, playing with something that was life or death. I tried to call out to my sweet mom for help, but no words left my mouth, only sounds of gargling and undescribable pain. Mom! I screamed in my mind, help me! But my lips formed no words and no one came to my help. I cried in pain. I had fallen right beside the principal's office door so they could still see me, yet no one came to help me. I knew it was all my fault. They thought I was pretending. Why wouldn't they? I hoped they would come and check on me, just to confirm. But no one came. Not my parents, not the principal. Instead, they just laughed out loud and continued their discussion like nothing happened. I couldn't believe it. This was real. This was happening to me. I was going to die, and my parents were going to watch me die because of my stupidity. When I started bleeding from my nostrils, my mother got worried and wanted to come help me. Sweetheart, I think we should check on Graham. He's been there for too long. He just started bleeding and I'm no longer comfortable. She told my dad. It's fine, my dad said. Our boy is just such a good actor. He will stop when he sees that no one is paying attention to him at all. My energy had left me and I could no longer fight it. I embraced the peace and quiet. I knew that this was the last time I was going to see my parents. So as I took one last glance at them, I whispered, I love you guys. The words didn't come out, but I just wanted to believe that they would hear me in their own minds. The last thing I saw before I closed my eyes was my mom racing towards me. I knew she would come, but it was already too late. I stepped into the light and I was gone. I woke up in the hospital one week later to find my mom, my dad, my principal, Stephanie and our family doctor, Dr. Chambers, all looking down at me with smiles on their faces. I couldn't believe it. I didn't die. I was alive. Mom! I tried to scream. Yes, honey? She smiled. Don't stress yourself, okay? You'll be fine. 
What happened? I asked. I'm so sorry, my boy. We thought you were faking it. My dad cried. We will never ignore you again, ever. I know, Dad. You shouldn't be sorry. I should. I was out of control. I never knew how my actions were affecting others. I just wanted to have everything I wanted, and I did it through bullying instead of hard work. I'm very sorry, and I'll never go back to my old ways. Please, forgive me, I begged. We forgive you, my son. When we saw that you weren't moving, we immediately rushed you to the hospital. Dr. Chambers said it might not be able to revive you, but she and the other doctors would try all they could. Here we are, one week later. Thank you so much, Dr. Chambers. Thank you for saving our son. My dad turned and shook our family doctor's hands. It was a team effort, sir. Always a pleasure. Dr. Chambers replied with a huge grin on his face. Stephanie ran and hugged me. I'm so glad you didn't die, honey. Stephanie, you're here? You still want to date me? But I've been so bad. Of course I want to date you. Even though you were a bully, you always cared. You took care of all your girlfriends properly and you gave them whatever they needed, even when it was to your own detriment. I was going to leave our school because of you before, but after hearing that you almost died, I realized that I actually do love you. I believe that you have really changed after this near-death experience, and I'm willing to give you a chance to prove yourself. Wow, Stephanie, I love you too. After this experience, I changed for the good. What did you learn from my story? Have you ever bullied someone? Have you ever been bullied yourself? What did you learn from your experience? Share it with us in the comments section below. Like, subscribe, and turn on post notifications and watch the next video on our channel. Bye. To be honest with you, I don't know why I was at the party. I was happy to be there, but just a little bit confused. I didn't even know the twins. My whole high school life, the only birthday parties I attended were my cousins. I thought they wanted me there to entertain people and do magic tricks. Everyone knew I was obsessed with Houdini. But dang, when Valerie herself took my hand and thanked me for coming, I was over the moon. My name's Clyde, and I've had the biggest crush on Valerie ever since I can remember. She was like... that one girl I dreamed about. And now she was right in front of me, smiling and talking. I still couldn't believe she invited me. Oh, by the way, would you mind coming with me for a sec? I need some help with a surprise for my sisters, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, of course, anything. Was it my lucky day? Great things just kept happening. Never would I have ever thought I'd get alone time with her. And now we were climbing up the attic of her house. Wow. Must be some surprise if it's hidden all the way up here. That was the last thing I remembered. Because the next time I opened my mouth, everything was dark. I could feel the bag shifting around my head as I moved. And when I tried to get my hands to take it off, I realized I was tied up. Something awful must have happened. I panicked. My first thought was Valerie. Was she safe? Did they get her too? Valerie! Valerie! What did you do to her? Please, I'll do anything you want. Just don't hurt Valerie. Silence. And then I heard giggling. A light went on, and then I felt fingertips poking my face through the bag. At least we know he's alive. <laughs> it would be really, really bad if he wasn't. I'm a bit disappointed, though. I thought you'd at least put him in a gift box or a tie ribbon on him. That doesn't matter now. What matters... As he's finally ours.
Someone snatched the bag that kept me in the dark, and the sudden flood of light blinded me for a second. I blinked a bunch of times, and then the picture came to focus. There was a single light that only lit up where I lay. The rest of the attic was pure darkness. The twins were lying on the floor next to me, staring at me without blinking even once. And if it wasn't creepy enough, they were dressed up like vampires. Halloween was like six months away! What creeped me out the most was when I saw who stood over us, watching us from the shadows. She had a grin on her face. It was Valerie. No. No. No! You? I'm so glad you liked my gift, sisters. Now, remember, you have to be careful with him. You don't want to break him or we'll be in big trouble, okay? Fine. Okay, okay, you don't have to nag all the time, alright? Just because you're the oldest doesn't mean we have to do everything you say. That was the first time I saw Valerie get really, really mad. She just exploded out of nowhere. Mom and Dad are gone, so I run the show, alright? And suddenly, the twins grew quiet, and they apologized to her. Great! Now enjoy your birthday present, and don't forget to lock the doors when you leave. Don't want him to escape, do we? Just like that, they were gone. And I was left there in complete darkness. I couldn't sleep at all that night. But I must have dozed at some point, because I woke up to find Valerie shaking my shoulder. Probably want to go home, don't you? I nodded. Well, can't keep you here forever, even though it would be ideal. But then, it'd get us into trouble. So I have these papers for you to sign. Sign them, and you can go. My my parents will be looking for me. So don't be such a wuss and sign the papers already. But, but what? Why? Uh, why'd you tie me up? What are these papers? So many questions. Just sign the blasted papers already. I didn't give in. I was trembling so hard. I could hear my knees knocking against each other. But I steeled myself and read through the papers before signing. It turned out it was a contract. I would only be allowed to leave if I agreed to date the twins. Valerie wanted me to be their birthday gift. And that was why she took me. It was only meant to be for three months. Ninety days of dating the twins didn't sound so bad considering the price was freedom. But if I didn't honor the agreement, I would waive my right to be free. The twins would own me. Any sign of deception or cheating will cause the contract to restart, and I will automatically become the twins' property. Three months. Ninety days of dating two very pretty twins. It doesn't sound so bad. Even if they were a bit creepy. And weird. At the very least, I could pretend. I mean, nobody's gonna know. How would they know? It turned out... Dating two girls at a time was extremely hard, especially when you have feelings for their older sister. Add to that the fact that she kidnapped me to enforce this weird situation, and you've got a confusing soup of emotions. For weeks, I felt like a zombie, just doing the twins' bidding. I would wake up, drive to their house, pick them up for school, and after, I'd drive Mina to watch a movie with her, and then I'd have to go and take Tina out for dinner. By the time I'd drive them both to their house, I was exhausted. Too exhausted to even come in and have a bite with Valerie whenever she would ask. 
So, for weeks, I spent all my time and effort on the twins, all the while wishing I could spend time with their sister instead. Because guess what? The Valerie I thought I knew and the real Valerie were very different people. At school, she's always so prim and proper, and you can never say one bad word about her. The real Valerie had a temper. She shouted, she got annoyed, and she was a bit over the top. I mean, seriously? Capturing me just so she could get me to date her sisters? She could have just asked. I would have done it anyway. I would have done anything for her. Because this? The real Valerie? <laughs> Call me weird and all. But this is the version of her I really liked. One morning as I waited for the twins to come down so I could drive them, Valerie asked me for my help with the laundry. I obliged, of course, so I got down to the basement and rolled up my sleeves, ready to be the hero by lifting all the heavy baskets for my crush. There was a random brick on the door. I kicked it away, thinking it was weird. I closed the door behind me, and then I heard a panicked scream. No! Why would you do that? I put a brick there to keep the door open! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. That door's been broken for a while. It locks itself. Relax. It's just a door. I'm sure someone has a key somewhere. And that was when Valerie told me that the twins were off on a school trip and that they'd already left before I even got there. How long will they be gone? Three days. I tried my phone. No signal. I tried calling out, but nobody heard. There wasn't even a window down there, so we could never tell what time it was. So we just sat there, drinking from the tap and passing the time by telling stories. Until the third day, when I just broke down and cried. I told Valerie everything I felt. I thought, if those were going to be my last moments, I might as well tell her how I really felt. I saw tears run down Valerie's cheeks. Me? Why me? I'm the plainest of the sisters. And... I'm nothing special. Besides, I... I'm useless. And I have a temper. You know, I... I serve my sisters because I owe them. If it weren't for me, Mama and Dad would still be here. They got into an accident because I begged them to come home and watch my recital. I hugged her, and then I told her I didn't care what anybody else thought. I love you. I held her, and then... Valerie pulled me in and kissed me. That was when the door finally opened. We've been looking for you. No, uh, no, I'm sorry. 
Oh, it's not what it looks like. Cheaters! Liars! You need to be punished! Mina dragged me out of there as Tina dragged her sister, and they took us to opposite ends of the house. I was tied up in the attic in a contraption I had only seen on TV before, and Valerie was thrown back into the basement. I had lost my freedom. I violated my contract. And now, I got Valerie into trouble too. I'm sorry! It, it was her! She forced me to kiss her! I promise, I'm loyal to you! I'll do anything you want. If you... If you want, I, I can guard her so she doesn't escape. Or I'll bring her food so you don't have to. <laughs> do you think we're dumb, Clyde? Just for that, I'll tie you up tighter tonight. And she did. It hurt my wrists. But guess what? That contraption they tied me to? It was the exact same one Houdini loved to use in his shows. So as soon as I heard the twins snoring, I slipped out. I tiptoed through the house and rescued my Valerie. And in the dark of the night, we ran out of there. Ran for our lives. I told my parents everything, and they let Valerie stay with us. And then, they told the cops what happened. They let my mom and dad be Valerie's foster parents, and the twins got sent to juvie for what they did. I got to see Valerie every day now that she lived with us. And we fell in love. The story broke the news, and there was a lot of buzz. I mean, you gotta admit, the things that happened to me were too weird not to get attention. I even got to be on TV! And I met my idols. When they heard I was an aspiring magician, they came to visit, gave me free tickets and all that jazz. I met Zach Bling, David Wayne, Justin Jillian, even Ten and Peller came to meet me. They offered me a job, told me they wanted to mentor me. It was the happiest day of my life. Not just because I was getting my dream job with my biggest idols, but mostly because Valerie asked me to marry her. My name is Alan. I have a wife and two young daughters. I'm just an ordinary man who has a boring office job. But what I'm about to tell you is something incredible. For this story, I need you to open your mind as much as you can. I won't judge you if you don't believe me. To tell you the truth, if my family hadn't gone through what I have, I wouldn't believe myself either. It all started when we moved into this house where my parents had lived all their lives. My mother had recently passed away and the house was uninhabited. We decided that what she would have wanted was for us to live there, to fill the house with new and beautiful memories with her granddaughters. What we didn't know was that we were not going to be alone. At first, we only heard strange noises in the house. The children would tell me that they saw people walking around at night, that the doors would open and close by themselves, or that the doorbell would ring by itself. I can't deny the noises, but the kids had never lived in a big house, so the rest was probably a product of their imagination. After a while, even I could deny what was happening. Doors opened and closed on their own without the slightest drop of air running through the house. The faucets opened and some rooms were freezing in the middle of summer. All this would have been enough for me to leave except for one detail. I was sure that the presence that inhabited the house was my mother. At first, I was afraid, but eventually I began to hear someone humming a familiar song. 
and it was the same one my mother used to sing to me when I was little. My family didn't seem very convinced of this, but I convinced them by making them see what was going on in the house had never hurt any of us in any way. Everything was fine for a while. We tried to get used to what was going on, but things started to get worse. Some dishes started flying dangerously against us. The kids felt constantly watched, and even I started to get a strange feeling that something bad was going to happen. Was my mom mad about something, or was there something else in the house? We had only one way to find out. Ask her. The day we chose to do it was Halloween, since that was the night when all the spirits are most active, and all the paranormal activity increases. We bought an Ouija board with my wife, and no one looked at us worried. Apparently, everyone bought them for this date. When the night came, the girls went to a friend's house to spend the night and ask for candy. So the house was only for me, my wife, and my brother, who proposed to help us with the process. Playing with the Ouija board on Halloween—how fitting, right? Make one more joke, and I'll go trick or treating with the girls. <laughs> Mothers-in-law are really scary, aren't they? <laughs> Without further words, we started to play. We started asking her simple questions like, if there was someone on the other side, or if she lives with us in the house. But when we asked her if she was my mother, the board went to no, and the mood changed immediately. Alan, it said no. Is my mother with you? Well, can we talk to her? Alan, I don't like this. We should get going. What do you want from us? B L O O D. Before I could say anything, the board shook much harder, and suddenly it launched itself at me. To hell with saying goodbye. Let's go. My brother screamed in terror as we all started to run. The house began to shake and all the paintings fell down. We reached the exit door and everyone ran to the car, but I stopped. Behind me, I heard my mother humming the lullaby. Alan, what the hell are you doing? Let's go. No, I have to check to see if I see my mom. Wait for me. I promise I'll be right back. Just let it be. That is not mom. Without hearing them yelling at me to come back, I went back into the house. Maybe it sounds crazy. Hell, it was probably crazy, but I wanted to hold on to the slim chance of seeing her again one last time. I went into the room where we played Ouija, and the light in the next room, the kitchen, began to flicker. I stood in the dining room, looking at her, and there she was. My mom, upon seeing me, stopped humming the song. I was about to hug her. But I felt something strange that prevented me from going. But at the same time, my body was totally paralyzed, and I could only stand there looking at her. She never was. Just something that played with me from the beginning. I got in the car crying, and as Cheryl was scolding me, I looked at the window of the house 
And standing in it was my mother standing there, greeting me with a huge smile. Her eyes and mouth were cooked as she finished waving at me. Her face was shaking like the monster I had seen in the kitchen. Several months passed since everything happened. After my brother put us up in his house, we were able to raise the money to move out on our own again. We did not suffer any paranormal event again, nor did we try to sell that house. We do not wish that nightmare on anyone else. From now on, no more ghosts. I will only spend time with my wife and daughters. It's what my mother would have wanted. You mean what? What you want? Hello, man. Oh my God, <laughs> Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the video. If so, please leave a like. And also, a small percentage of people that watch my videos are actually subscribed. If you want to support this channel and make this channel reach the 1 million mark, please consider subscribing. It's free and you can change your mind later. Enjoy. This incident happened one Halloween night. Since then, I have stopped celebrating Halloween in my house. My wife and I couldn't have children of our own. Hence, we generally had a soft corner for kids. My wife, Samara, would buy lots and lots of candies before every Halloween to give to the neighborhood kids. So this one Halloween, we went to the supermarket to pick up groceries and candies. While returning home, we saw cop cars in front of our neighbor's house. Feeling curious, I stopped the car. Oh, I think something bad has happened here. So many cops here. Look, the paramedics are coming too. My wife pointed at the ambulance coming our way, and I realized the gravity of the situation. A group of people were decorating the streets for Halloween, but now they were all gathered around the house watching the scene with us. Two cops came out of the house, and we heard a woman's shrill cry. Oh, God! My son! My poor Liam! Oh, God! I want him back! I want him back! Please! We saw our neighbor, Mr. Dempsey, trying his best to hold his paranoid wife. Miss Dempsey was out of control. She was screaming and crying like hell. The paramedics went in. The paramedics went in and took out a smaller boy that was wrapped in black polythene. It wasn't hard to tell from the size of the boy that it belonged to a child. The cops took away the body and Mr. and Miss Dempsey went to the paramedics. My wife and I were still standing there with no clue whatsoever. When we saw two men coming our way, I asked one of them. Excuse me, what happened here? Oh, don't ask, man. Poor Dempsey's. They lost their child before Halloween. What? Why? What happened? Uh, their seven-year-old son was playing in the basement when he accidentally locked himself inside an old cupboard. Mr. and Mrs. Dempsey were upstairs in the kitchen when they called out to their son for dinner and he didn't show up. They felt weird and went down to check on him. They searched the entire basement but couldn't find him. That's horrifying. How did they find him then? Well, Mrs. Dempsey saw a piece of blue cloth peeking out from the cupboard door. She opened it, and then found the poor, lifeless kid inside the cupboard. Samara got emotional, and I too felt extremely bad for the Dempseys. No pain in this world could surpass the pain of losing your child. We came home, and Samara didn't talk the entire afternoon. She just sat on our porch and watched the neighbors dressing up for Halloween. Once the sun went down... Kids started to come out of their houses wearing all kinds of spooky costumes. They went door to door asking for candies. No matter how disheartened we were, we still got up, brought our candy bowls, and gave them to all the kids who came trick-or-treating. 
You know, Jonah, I just realized something today. Samara said while closing the door after distributing the last bit of candies to a group of kids. What's that, hun? It's good that we don't have kids. At least I don't have to be afraid of losing them. I just can't imagine what pain Mrs. Dempsey is going through right now. I could see her teary eyes. I hugged her and kissed her on the forehead. Come on, let's go to bed. You need to sleep. That poor kid. We went upstairs. I stood in front of the bedroom window for a while. The entire neighborhood had gone quiet by the time. All the kids were back home. Every house was glittering with lights and candles placed inside pumpkin heads, except the Dempsey's. Their house was in complete darkness. Heaving a sigh of sorrow, I went to bed too. I don't remember when I fell asleep, but suddenly, a noise woke me up. Rubbing my eyes, I got up on the bed and heard that noise again. Someone was knocking on the door. I looked at the clock. It was 2.30 in the morning. Samara was deeply asleep. I came downstairs and opened the door. To my surprise, a kid was standing on my porch. A boy wearing a blue t-shirt and white shorts. He kept his head down so I couldn't see his face. Hey kiddo, why are you out so late? Do your parents know you're here? No. The kid's voice sounded so weird to my ears. Also, the fact that he was dressed so casually startled me a bit. After all, it was Halloween, and this kid was not in a costume. I asked again. Are you all right? As the kid lifted his head, I almost got a heart attack. His face was pale like a blank sheet, and his eyes were completely black, darker than the darkness. Whoa, you look pretty spooky. This was a good idea for a Halloween costume, though. I'm hungry. Can I have some candies? He opened his palm, saying this. You're a little late, buddy, but uh, let me see what I can do. Wait here, okay? The kid tilted his head to the right and just stood that way like a statue. I thought to myself that this kid not only nailed his Halloween look, but also acted scarily. I went to check the fridge and found a half-eaten chocolate bar. I grabbed it and came back to the door to give it to the kid, but he was gone. Thinking the kid had gotten inside, I quickly turned around and said, Hey, I have some chocolate for you. Take it and go home. Your parents must be worried. But the kid was nowhere to be seen. I was contemplating what just happened when I heard chuckling and running footsteps in our basement. I opened the basement door and yelled, Come out of there, kiddo. It's too late to play here. Come on, let me take you home. I can't see. It's so dark in here. Just like last time. I turned on the basement light, but shockingly, it didn't turn on. I remember very well that the light was working just fine in the afternoon. Thinking the kid might get scared down there, I grabbed a small flashlight and started walking down the basement stairs. Two white bed sheets were hanging on the wire at the end of the basement. As I flashed my light at the gap between those sheets, I saw the kid standing there and staring at me with a creepy big smile. Okay, time to go home now. Saying this, I walked to the bedsheets, and as I moved them to catch the kid, the hair at the back of my neck stood up. I found myself standing alone in the basement. It was as if the kid just vanished in thin air. There was no one. I repeat, no one behind those sheets. A chilling wind turned the atmosphere around me cold. That's when I heard the chuckle once again. Turning around, I now saw the kid standing right behind me. Blue bangs had appeared on his pale face 
as a black thick liquid was dripping down from his eyes. He snatched the chocolate bar from my hand and I felt his touch. His hands were colder than ice. What? Who are you? I am Liam Dempsey. Can you take me home now? I think I'm lost. Can you help me? <laughs> oh my god! That's it. I don't remember after that. I fainted, and Samara found me in the basement when she came looking for me in the morning. She was surprised and kept asking me why I was sleeping on the basement floor the entire night. But I couldn't tell her what I saw. I often heard about these black-eyed kids, but it was my first time with a real one. I don't know why poor Liam turned into a black-eyed kid, but I think the fact that he died in darkness somehow made him look that way. What do you think? Do you really know how much a traumatic situation can break a child? Sometimes it's hard to admit, but my own father is a disgusting monster. When I was young, although he was never particularly fond of me, he didn't treat me bad either. On the other hand, with my sister, that man was different. Ever since Jane was born, six years after me, our father was always very close to her, pampering and overprotecting her all the time. Our mother thought she was just daddy's spoiled daughter. But two years ago, we found out what he was really doing to her at the time. Something that shouldn't be done to a child. Soon, mom denounced him, and so he left our lives. But my sister had already been very affected. As a 10-year-old girl, Jane suffered from fits of rage and was very emotionally dependent on her family. More on me than our mother. She didn't like to play with other children or leave the house. In fact, when she saw another man, she would start screaming. For two years, Jane had been receiving therapy. She had even changed her psychologist several times. But her case was progressing slowly. Still, our mom didn't want my sister to be given any kind of medication. Adam! I'm here, in the kitchen. Uh, what's going on? Why didn't you wake me up? You're having breakfast without me? Oh, chill out. Even though I asked her to, her angry expression didn't change. You were sleeping so peacefully, I, I didn't want to... Anyway, I, I prepared your food, okay? Do you like leaving me alone? You know I don't. I, I just did it to let you rest, I think. Right. I needed to rest, because today is Halloween. But you don't even like to go out. I'll wait all night for you to bring me my candy. <laughs> uh... It was common for me to do that on Halloween. And in fact, I like to bring her candy to make her happy. But that year, I had different plans. I'm sorry, little one, but tonight I won't be able to make it. But what about my candy? I'll buy you some tomorrow. It's not the same. What are you going to do then, huh? The truth was that, weeks ago, my best friend Billy had invited me and Emma, another friend, to a Halloween party. Are you going out with Emma? I'm going out with my friends. It'll just be this time, okay? In the evening that same day, I was ready. I had disguised myself as a skeleton. In fact, I was truly satisfied with my appearance. A short time later, I received a message from Emma. I'm outside your house, it said. 
since we had planned to go to Billy's Halloween party together. As I opened the front door of my house. <laughs> Looks good on you. I was gonna say exactly the same. <laughs> Luckily, the abandoned house where Billy had planned to have the party wasn't too far away, but we had to cross a path through the woods. After a while, we arrived at an old building. It's pretty obvious it's here, isn't it? I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard so much noise. Oh, shut up. Let's have some fun. My friend took me by the hand, and together, we ran towards the place. Arriving at the front door, she rang the bell. Soon, Billy opened it. Man, you came! Hey! Let's get to the point, Billy. Where are the drinks? Follow me! Oh. Can you check that, Adam? I'll be right back. I didn't mind helping him, so I turned and walked to the door. Huh? But there's no one... Shit! As a reflex action, I had moved away. But I went back to the door as soon as the bell rang again. What the hell? A, a fucking mask? The stranger stood still for a few seconds. Until suddenly, they launched towards the doorbell camera. Stop it already! <laughs> What's up, Adam? I thought you were gonna open the door. It was a kid making a joke. If you say so, come on! Don't you want to dance with Emma? I put aside what had happened and walked over to my friend, who was already dancing in the crowd. Adam! I joined her, which really relaxed me, as moving my body to the music with was quite fun. Until I saw that person again. The broken doll was now inside the house, separated from the other people. What's wrong? I think there is a child at the party. A child? <laughs> At the blink of an eye, my friend's expression changed to one of fear. Uh, Emma? When she fell to the ground, I could see that she had a knife stuck in her torso. Uh, Emma! Uh, Billy, come here! My friend came after a few seconds when the people around were realizing what was happening. Shh! What happened? I... I don't know! What the fuck are you waiting for? Call an ambulance! I took my cell phone out of one of my pants' pockets, but I couldn't concentrate. I, I can't do anything with such loud music! Well then go upstairs, genius! It didn't take me long to walk among the people until I reached the stairs of the house and went up to the second floor. I typed the emergency number and was about to call. Adam. What? The broken doll was there, coming up the stairs in an oddly wobbly way. Did you like what I did to Emma? What the? My heart started beating fast when I saw the person had a knife in their hand, so I decided to run along a hall, enter a room, and lock the door. Adam, I need you. I could barely see in there. What the heck? What the heck? You are there, aren't you? Get out! I need you. Is, it, is this a fucking joke? I'm calling the police. The police? What for? Forget that. I need you. Let's go for my candy together. My skin got goosebumps the moment I realized. Jane? I'm not afraid to go out anymore. I can take care of anyone who wants to hurt me. <laughs> you saw it yourself. My sister was too young to go to jail and broken enough to be sent to a mental hospital. So that's where she is now. After the attack, I did my best to apologize to Emma. But that didn't make it any better, as it had been too traumatic for everyone involved. Sometimes it's hard to admit, but I don't miss Jane.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.